Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to Around the Natty. Uh, we've dusted the mics off after a long time. and We're we back. Are and back. better than ever. We say that every time. And I guarantee you. And it's you, true. Every we're time. We're probably the same. We're probably <laughs> the same. We're probably the same. We're not worse. But we're not better either, though. Hey, listen. I think that I can get about three drinks better during this entire episode. So That's kind of slow. That's an hour. Life in moderation, Gamble. Life in moderation. When have you ever lived in uh, moderation? Well, based on my uh, my BMI index, it would uh, not indicate very much. That's right. <laughs> Speaking of which, hey, you know what? Today, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up later. Let's let's hop right into it, guys. All so, right, well. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell them what we got on the on the docket today. So, first of all, we have to absolutely give a shout-out to our University of Cincinnati Bearcats on a undefeated 2020 regular season. AAC Conference champions, first time under the Luke Fickle era, the coveted AAC championship, outright champions. They deserve it. We've been close the last couple of years. Uh, you know, obviously, Fick has really put this program in a great place. And so shout out to all those guys over there. We definitely want to give out a shout out to our friend Big M, uh, who is on that strength and conditioning staff there. Um, we love what the stuff that they're putting out there. Great, great program. Uh, super proud to be from Cincinnati. And I'm really glad I'm not from Norwood and able to actually celebrate this win. So um, that's awesome. But that brings us to our next point, okay, which is – is college football worse off with the playoff versus BCS? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Uh, and it's definitely a, a pertinent question after the disrespect that we received uh, from the committee recently. Uh, obviously, this is, this is one, of, one of the best Bearcats teams of all time. Um, it's definitely in the argument uh, with the 09 team. Um, you know, depending on whichever team that you, you like to look at, you know, there's definitely some slight thrown at the Bearcats this year. And I don't, I don't know if you can question that, um, you know, I, you know, this I think year was I, as I good actually, as any to get in. Well, and I, I think you bring up another topic, which I think would be a good for another show sometime when we have a dead week to talk about comparing this team to the 09 team. Um, but here's, here's my thing. Here's why I argue, and we can talk about the, the specifically the, the the UC implications, which kind of are tied in anyways. But my biggest thing is, think about what makes college football great. What draws people to college football? Okay. To answer that question, let's first like let's examine some other sports in college basketball. What do we love about college basketball? Well, we love March Madness. Why? Because of the unpredictableness. Everyone has a shot. The little guy doesn't matter. Supposedly, the way it was sold was that this college football playoff would actually give non-Power 5, the non-Blue Bloods, an opportunity to play for a coveted college football championship. Okay? And that kind of brings you back to what do we love? What have we, what have we always loved about college football? That every game matters. Lose one, even under BCS. Lose one, shoot, win one, but only win by three. Yeah. And you're out. Mm -hmm. Every game mattered. But now we're taking away, we're taking that element away from college football. It's no longer every game matters. As a matter of fact, it, it apparently it doesn't matter if you play three games or five games. It doesn't doesn't matter if you lose in your conference championship game. It, 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 or it even doesn't play a conference championship game. Right. They, they're take, they've now taken away what has always made college football and set it apart from every other sport. And as a fan, makes it so exciting to watch week in and week out. 
and then now have said, we know before the season starts, within five teams, maybe six, who's going to be in the college playoff. doesn't matter if they lose three games. doesn't matter if they only play six games. It doesn't matter. We have decided already, based on who we believe is the most talented, who's going to play in the college football playoff. Yeah. And my thing is, is, is that's fine. But just come out and say, hey, group of five schools, you're never going to get to play in the college football playoff. It's a, it's a power five invitational. And regardless of what you accomplish, what you do, do everything that we ask you to do, win your conference outright, win the conference championship game, be undefeated, we're going to just move the goal line for you. And that's fine. And that's fine. If you tell me that as a UC fan going into the season, you have no shot of being in the college World playoff, okay. But don't come back here and say Iowa State, based on their what they've done, is better than you. Don't come back and say Oklahoma is better than you. Don't come back and say that Florida is better than you. A&M is better than you. Without having that head-to-head matchup, it's impossible to say. So we should revert back to what has always been the most important thing, which is what have you done? You've gone undefeated. You have three top 25 wins. And you are the conference champion. Yeah, I mean, that's... And apparently it doesn't matter. That's a... That's a big thing is like, I mean, it, you look at it and you go, you know, if there is any season, if there was any season that it was going to happen, it was going to be this season, which was unlike anything we've seen. Um, teams aren't playing all their games. Um, the, you know, some conferences aren't even playing at all. Um, and, you know, it's definitely a season of being unpredictable. So, uh, you look at it and you go, well, what what does UC have to do to get in? And I don't think there's an answer that is sufficient enough to get them in. Uh, you know, they won all their games. I think they were blowouts for seven of their games. They blew the team out. Um, like you said, that they have wins against top 25 teams. Um, you know, they win their they win their uh, conference. Obviously, it's not an impressive win. It wasn't anything that like. You know, blew my balls off, um, but it's a win, um, and I, I I just don't know what more they could do to get into their you know with, that's within their means, and it it's it's similar to to UCF, but also it's not because I think a lot of teams are knocked out of that in the beginning because of COVID, so it's like you look at it and you go, this is definitely a year that they should should and can get in. Um, because to be honest with you, talking about it as it's, as it's an invitational, like you said, I've always looked at it as a fact that if all the teams are playing, I don't think UC is going to get even close. Because I don't think they have the capability or the means to build a resume that's impressive enough for the committee. And I'll even move the conversation to, you know, I, I think that they probably got the top four teams right. They probably did. I think that you can make an argument for Notre Dame not being able to make it because they just got their the door blown off by Clemson when they actually have a starting quarterback. Um, I think that it's fair to make the argument that Ohio State only played six games, so should they really be considered a top four team based on that? I think those are fair, but I, I think at the end of the day, they probably got the top four right. What really makes me upset is that, again, you have an A&M team who lost, who has lost the game? Didn't to even Bama. get to play in their to Bama, in fairness, but didn't even get to play in their conference championship game. Mm-hmm. You have OU who has two losses, yeah, in a, in a Big Twelve conference. That's a joke, a joke. And you have a Florida team with three losses. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Ahead I mean, of like, I, I can. That's where I get upset. Like, how can you? How? What? How? How? What? What else are you supposed to do? Even just to be in the conversation. Yeah. That's what. That's what upsets me. And you know what? So, so then, fine. So then, fine. You, you, you don't want them in the playoff. Fine. I get it. Whatever. You would. Then I, I would argue probably A and M is the most, the next most deserving team to get in. Mm-hmm. And since they're left out as well, then let us play A and M. And don't hand me the. Oh, I'd be a blowout. It doesn't. 
No. Have you watched the college football playoffs the last three seasons? Yeah, that's true. How many of those games have been – how many of those games have, have been blowouts? I can tell you, I loved watching Ohio State getting their shit kicked in. Loved it. They didn't get their shit kicked in. That was a close game. Last year. But I'm yeah. saying it against Clemson like two years ago. Oh. I, I, I loved watching Oklahoma get blown out by Joey Buckets, man. Yeah. Okay. Like, I, you know I mean? I loved it. Loved it. Great television. So, here and say that, ah, oh, they get blown out by – I don't care. I don't care. The, the goal line has continually been moved. To your point, it's a, it's a non-conversation. But also understand that the amount of disrespect should be absolutely infuriating for UC fan. And I, Mo Agger said on the show today, he said, you can do one of two things. You can either be upset that they didn't get into the, the top, to the top four, or you could be happy uh, on a historic season. I, I'm both. Won the conference championship. That's a great feat. That was awesome. I would take it a thousand times over, you know, a Tuberville era team. But I am the governor. I don't know. You mean the governor? I don't know how. Or is it governor? Is he what? Is he senator? What is he? I don't even know. I think he's a senator. But how how can you be a fan, a legitimate and true fan, and not be absolutely perturbed by this? Yeah, I mean. I, I, yeah, I, it is, it's mind boggling and it's, you know, it leads me to, to ask the question, like, what's the remedy, you know, other than saying, Hey, we need to fix how teams are ranked. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's a viable solution. Um, so, you know, we can sit here and we can complain all we want and we can be like, Hey, these rankings aren't fair, yada, yada, yada. Um, but you know, what, what's a viable solution so that teams don't, I mean, teams are always going to have this feeling because even if you expand or, or whatever, there's going to be teams that are on the fringe that don't make it and they're going to be pissed. Oh, I don't care if you, if we had a top, if, if it was like the college football was expanded to eight teams, we would still be excluded this year. It would be, I, even though they have ranked eight, I a hundred percent believe that UGA Georgia would have jumped us okay. had there been an 18 playoff this year. Well, then, then what's your proposed solution? Because, you know, we could sit here and mope and complain all we want, but, like, what can we do? Well, at this point, I'd say the BCS is more fair. Because it's computerized? Yeah, I mean, yeah, because at least at least there's some objective measure to yeah. which you can actually put together something. I mean, we, you know, I mean, we made it to a, to a bowl game against Florida, and, and we're two games away. In 2009, making a, a national championship game, championship game. If I forget who it was, it was it was AM and someone else. If they would have lost that that year, that last weekend, we would have been in the national championship. Yeah, I mean, at least it's achievable. Like we've now we've now been told it's not achievable. Yeah, but but we talk about BCS. Like we think about it. Like I don't know. I I kind of like the tournament setting. Um, I wonder if they could do. A, like a combined mixture of that, you know what I mean? The tournament setting plus plus the computerized aspect of it, you know. Well, and, and you know the other thing that cracks me up is um, people will always talk about like, oh, we can't we can't expand because you know it's going to interfere with finals and the students first. What the what are we doing right now? What is happening right now? Finals, yeah. right now, today. We're going to be playing on New Year's Day cultural games. You know what I mean? I, I just don't hand me that stuff. There's times where UC plays on a Tuesday night. You know what I mean? During mid-fall semester. Oh, like, I aware. don't hand me that. I'm aware. Yeah. It, it, since when has the the NCAA ever cared about its students? At, its student-athletes? Like, like – only to only to the effect of making sure that they don't have to pay them. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, I think it's interesting. I think that, and, and maybe it's already happened. Legislation and the NCAA is going to if they haven't. I think they either voted on it and now are going to allow, or there's a strong sentiment that they're going to start allowing 
uh, name, image, and likeness to be something that players profit of off of. I mean, I mean, the schools are already selling the jerseys, anyways. Well, and and so I think I think that it would be um, I think that it would be really conducive to a school like Cincinnati, who has some national attention, has has been made in the and be like, hey, you can go play for Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, or and just be another awesome guy. Or you can come to UC and be the guy. You know what I mean? And market, I think that's really going to help out schools like us. Um, and I think that in doing so, I think that you would be able to uh, help influence a college football playoff, for example. Because let's not be let's not be facetious here. It's a lot of it's driven by money, right? The reality is, is that Clemson, Alabama, Notre Dame, and and uh, or sorry, Clemson, Alabama, OSU, and Notre Dame. We're going to bring in a lot more viewers than Cincinnati would. That's just the reality. It's fair. It is what it is. It is what it is. But if you have, you know, a a um, correlative like Zion Williamson, but at UC, maybe maybe that that pushes them to say, hey, this is people want to watch this kid play. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So um, I know it's a little bit off of the hinges a little uh, of what the, what the conversation was about, but I think that that is something that could kind of uh, be the great equalizer in terms of at least getting more pool inside that room of 13 people who decide who are going to be in the college football playoff. I, so I think I, that's something to look out for and would be interesting. I think ultimately they're not going to have a chance until they either leave the conference or choose, you know, they. I, I think they have to leave the conference. Um and what do you do though? I mean, you can't you can't go independent. The Big Twelve, the ACC, they've already said they don't want you. I, I don't I don't know what you do. And I tell you what, John Brandon's not helping us. Basketball's yeah. the next big mover. He's not helping yeah. us right now. That team looks bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and we and again that, that's a that's a conversation for a different time. But good God, I um, I just I don't know. I uh, those are my thoughts. Uh, on on the college football playoff, and, and at the end of the day, I, just want to, I want to leave on this note. Okay, the American dream, right? For all my conservative listeners out there, they're going to love this. The American dream is built upon the Miller. The American dream is built upon that you can go from nothing to having it all if you just work real hard and stick it out. You're going to make it. It's the American dream. If that's if that's the case, I'm rolling off that mindset, which I'll play along for this 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 instance. Then the college football playoff is are communists because they've now said that what? Cincinnati, the great American, Cincinnati is the great American. The great American has worked exorbitantly hard, has accomplished everything that they need to to overcome obstacles, adversity. They've gone from the bottom and now they're at the top. And they still said, nope, you can't have it. We're going to redistribute the wealth to those that we want. Communists. Mark it down. College football playoff committee, communists. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Fact. <laughs> that was the stupidest thing. That was the worst analogy ever. Fact. Look at the halo, but look at the light shining upon me. I know. It's been blinding my... It's drowning out your face. That's probably for the best. I would agree. <laughs> but uh, you know what's funny? I was at Price Hill Chili the other day. Hey, thanks. You're welcome for the plug. Um, I was at Price Hill Chili the other day, and uh, I was talking, right? And these the ladies that were – this is actually months ago, I should say, because this is before COVID. Cause, uh, but we're sitting in a crowded, um, crowded waiting room lobby. The hostess, she's an older lady. She's like, oh, I just love your voice. You have such a, you, you should be on radio. You have such a radio voice. And uh, I was like, oh, like, thanks, you know. Some old fucker walks by and he goes, he sure doesn't have a face for TV, though. And just kept walking. Absolutely in stride. And she, and then you could tell that, you know, it was true. Because the lady rubbed my arm. She's like, oh, sweetie, you're, you're very handsome. And I was like, ah, oh, god damn it. God damn it. You know? So, but anyways, that was, that was awesome. I really appreciated that. That was great. 
Well, but, uh, well, before we before we cap off this segment, like uh, all in all, we can be pissed about them not making the playoffs or even being in the conversation. However, what a exciting year to watch some Bearcats football! Like, it was awesome. Like, I I can't I can't express enough how happy I am that Fickle is the head coach of University of Cincinnati Bearcats. Like. It's and the, they wasn't going to be there for at least the next four years. His son just committed to play. Awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. I mean, it's awesome. I, it's uh, awesome. you know, and, and the, the coolest thing for me, too, is like we went from under Tuberville, I think the most Ohio kids we ever had um, in one recruiting class was like two. Mm-hmm. And in this recruiting class alone, we have nine kids. I think on the team, we have 48 or 49 kids all together that, that are from Ohio. Um, it's a homegrown grassroots program. UC is the great American. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the only thing, the only regret I have is that you and I couldn't catch a game this year at, at Nipper. Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. I really hate COVID. I can't wait till we can get back in and, um, you know, get, get down there for a game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to, you, you feel good capping it off there? Like we've, we've put our positions out. <laughs> you think so? You, know, I, you you brought out a terrible analogy about communism and the American dream. Well, I feel as though that every great shit we've ever done has had some terrible analogy that I usually get made fun of for or made fun of for. Yeah, so. I got I got to call you out on them cuz if I just let you do them then you just go wild and then and then we never learn. Like somebody's got somebody's got to check you, you know? Cuz if I don't then nobody will. Well, if you check me, I might have to just wreck me. Uh, I don't know. That didn't that didn't work out well. Um, but anyways, let's uh, let's talk a little Bengals, man. It's Monday Night Football tonight, so we're recording on Monday night. Uh, Bengals play the Steelers, and uh, I don't know about you, but I mean, this reminds me of in twenty fifteen. Bengals take on the Steelers, playoff football. My anxiety's high. I'm excited. I can't wait, but not because I think that, that we're going to win. No, no, no. My anxiety is high because if I torture myself and watch three and a half hours of Ryan, Lee, Ryan Finley looking like complete dog shit, who we traded up for to get, by the way, and we win somehow and we move back in the draft, I'm so upset. The most mad, the most angry. And I'm just done about it. So let's let's talk a little Bengals football here. Okay. I mean, I think it's I think it's highly unlikely um, that we beat the Steelers. I mean, they've won 11 straight. They find a way to ruin everything I love. I don't. So they continue to be our Achilles heel. Um, they just they're just big brother. Like I, I there's there's no nice way to put it. They're they're the measuring stick. Um, and they will continue to be the measuring stick um, until we finally continue or can find a way to have su- you know sustained success about a little sustained success, sustained success. Yeah. against them, and uh, we just haven't found a way to do that. Um, so I mean, I'm not I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned that we're gonna win. I, I, have, so, I have zero fear that we're gonna beat them. Assuming we continue to lose, it looks like we'll probably uh, be uh, left with the um, the number three pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Who? What do we do there? Do we trade? What, what, what do we do there? Well, it depends. It depends on a couple of things. So, you know, uh, yesterday we saw the Jets get their first win of the season, which is hilarious. Is hilarious. The Rams can't win three games in a row. They they win two, lose one. Win two, lose it's one. It's hilarious. So fu- it's so funny to me uh, that they get the they get the dub uh, yesterday. Um, they get one win and they lose the number one pick. Um, be, I guess it's strength of schedule. Is that what it's it is? Strength of schedule. Yeah. So Jacksonville had a stronger or a, a stronger schedule, so they they get the first pick. Yeah. So they lose that first pick, which is we know is going to be Trevor Lawrence. It's it's going to be. It has to be. Um, you know, 
it's a it's a steep drop off from from Trevor Lawrence to Justin Fields. I just don't. I just don't. I think, think so too. A lot of people disagree. A lot of people disagree. We have a lot of uh, a lot of suck guys that are going to jump in here and, and, just, and talk about how great Justin Fields it's is. So such I don't a know. Steep drop off. It's like it's. I agree. It, it's really a big cliff. I don't it's, think it's Andrew Luck to RG three. Yeah, it really is for sure. It's like it's it's not even close. Like Trevor Lawrence is um, is so much better. Um, I, I don't know. I just you know I just it depends on it depends on what because I know Jacksonville's gonna take him if they stay number one. Like I that that's just it. Um, now the, the big question is whether or not. Uh, the Jets want to take a quarterback after Trevor Lawrence is gone. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if they did. I, that franchise is so poorly run. Uh, you know, it's, anything could be a surprise. Um, and we know could, about poorly run NFL franchises, let me tell you. We do, but there, I think theirs is worse than ours. Um, I, uh, I, I have no idea. I think, I think, I, I think without Marvin Lewis, I think. I think that you're wrong, but I think because of Marvin Lewis, you're right. Who ever thought I would say that, right? Well, um, they hired Adam Gase, and he's still there. So, um, that's terrible. But I, you know, I could also see him going. I could also see him going O line, um, and with that, um, Panay Sewell uh, might be gone. You know, they they have entered the sweepstake of of doing that, and. You know, there's a lot of theories out there on whether we should trade back or, or whatever. Um, and, I, you know, I could see either one being viable. We have a ton of holes uh, outside mm-hmm. of O-line. Um, I think A.J. Green's gone after this season. Um, yep. unless, unless he wants to sign some team-friendly deal, I think he's gone. Um, you know, uh, we and, 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 and from an organizational standpoint, that's the right move. That's yeah. the right move. I, I honestly could see them. I could see them paying him money he doesn't deserve, but that, that's the correct move. There, AJ Green serves the Bengals no purpose at this point. Mm-hmm. AJ Green making, you know, anywhere around what he's making now, which is eighteen million dollars per year, that, yeah. that serves us no good. Mm-hmm. My favorite, my favorite Bengal of all time, Geno Atkins, he's serves us no purpose at, at, at this point. Serves us none. Well, he was injured. Um, I'm gonna give him the benefit was, of that. He was not good. He was not good last year, though. Either he was pretty good last year. He was. He got voted for the Pro Bowl, and he said he was surprised because he played so poorly. And he was not very good last year. And, and, and you know, so and it'll take us to our next point too. Uh, I kind of want to make an addendum to the. Sorry, I didn't put this in the pre-show. I didn't talk about it. But I want to talk about Zach Taylor's future a little bit. Um, but I think that it says something. I think the best coaches, the best organizations, the best coaching staff, I think that the, the thing that they do the best is they they get the most from the least and the best from their best. And I think that after seeing Carlos Dunlap leave and go completely turn around the Seattle Seahawks defense. I knew that was going to happen. I, and part of that is effort. Part of that is effort on his part, no doubt about it. But how effort is something that you can elicit. Great coaches, great organizations elicit the best effort. They get the most from the least and the best from the best. And I think that and it's not it's not all Zach Taylor, but since probably 2017. So that included a little bit of Marvin Lewis era as well. We have not gotten the best from our best, and we certainly haven't gotten the most from our least. And and when I when I'm referring to that, I think about, you know, I think about the the, the linebackers we've drafted, you know, the Jermaine Pratt's, the Logan Wilson's of the world. I think about the... Um, you don't like Logan Wilson? Pro football focus shows that he's not been great. And it's not that I don't like him. I, just, I like him. I don't know what well, you're talking hear me about. Out. Hear, hear me out. I said he hasn't played great. I didn't say I didn't like him. Okay, Carlos I, Dunlap think played, played, like, I think he's played really well. Carlos Dunlap played like shit, but he's still really good. No, but, I, I think you're misconstruing what I'm saying. I think he's played well this season. He's only played. He only plays a third of the snaps a game. Okay, and I think he's. he's, I think been, he's he barely plays. I think he's been a factor. Was, I think he's been. I think he's been a if factor. If he's that good, then why isn't he ever down? Why isn't he out there every down? To your point, maybe he's that great. 
Maybe he is very good. I wouldn't know because he doesn't fucking play. I mean, and he's I think it's a to make an impact problem. in games. He's hard. You you don't you don't draft someone anywhere between rounds one and four and have them play less than a third of your snaps. He's young. I, that I mean, is that is terrible. I mean, organization. I, I think you're overreacting. I, I'm 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 telling you. My point is, is that this organization, this coaching staff, has been terrible, and and that. looping it back into the draft, they've been terrible at one evaluating talent two developing the talent that they draft and three s- signing contracts that make sense for them organizationally it's been a shit show for years for years we've missed we have john ross who's making a fair amount of money on a rookie contract as a first rounder hasn't been rostered in how many weeks we have Geno Atkins taking up a huge amount of salary cap space. We were paying half of Carlos Dunlap's contract this season. He didn't even fucking play for us, hardly. We have A.J. Green, who caught his first touchdown in three years yesterday, or last week. No, he caught like, Come on! That. Come on! Yeah, no, I listen, I to be honest with you, I don't, I don't think this last draft was that bad. Um, I, think, I think most of them were pretty good. I wouldn't know. The kids don't play. The kids don't play. I wouldn't know. What are you talking about? The only reason he played is because of injury. Adenogy's he a seventh-round pick, homie. I know. And he's probably played the most of anyone we drafted. That's not true. T. Higgins? He's played more than T. Higgins. Okay. T, uh, okay. So your second-round pick has played a lot. Awesome. As it should be. As it should be. I think you're being I think you're being overdramatic on our draft. I think this last draft was a very respectable draft. I think you got a lot of good value out of it. I think So do I. You just said it was a terrible draft. So which one is it? No. I said they've been terrible at developing the talent that they've drafted. You said they I have a bad they... job of valuing talent and developing it. I mean I think this that's last true. draft. This last draft, it was, was it not a good evaluation of this, talent? This this last draft was the best they've done. It was a very good they... draft. And they still have failed to take and optimize that talent that they drafted. I would agree. I'm, I'm just saying. I just want you to concede that this was a good draft. This last draft was a good draft. I'll concede this. I'll concede good. this. Good. Good. Uh, then I agree with everything else. I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. This last draft was good. I think we got some good pieces on the defense. T. Higgins is going to be the future of the receiving core. Uh, I mean, we got our quarterback of the future. Like, I think... I think a lot was accomplished in this draft that you're not giving credit for. So I just wanted to point that you, out. The bank, under under Joe Burrow's rookie contract, which is really the only time you can really compete in the NFL, mm-hmm. under his under his rookie contract, do we do we compete for a division title? Uh, I think it. Do we, I think no, it sorry, sorry. Do we do we win a division title? I think it depends on what the the team does this off season, um, or the organization rather does this off season. I you know, my belief is you have to move on from Zach Taylor. Um, I don't know if we necessarily have time for patience. I know that Mike Brown is a fan of continuity, uh, but I just don't think Zach Taylor has it, has it in him. Um, I think he's put his faith in garbage assistant coaches. I think the only assistant coach worth his salt is Callahan. I think Jim Turner sucks. I think Ann Rumo sucks. And to be honest with you, I think Zach Taylor's a horrible game manager. That's just my opinion. Uh, you don't lose as many close games as he has. Um, and and turn that around. I mean, the guys won four games in two years. Granted, our team has been dog shit. Uh, frankly, I don't care um, that our team's been dog shit. I, you know, he's had two years. I mean, I don't think we have time for patience. Like you said, our windows that, started this year. I think I think that it's been made clear that great coaching can get you at least five hundred in this league. Yep. I you look at Brian Flores. Look at Bill Belichick. Shit, even Vic Fangio, his team's competitive, and they don't have it. They have no one on offense, no one. For years in Minnesota, they're winning strictly off defense. I part of the problem to your point is, is that they hired Zach Taylor, who has no coaching tree, no coaching network. 
he just hired the fucking washed up misfits off that 2015 Miami Dolphins mm-hmm. uh, team to come in and be his assistant, his staff. And part of that was their fault because they hired him so damn late in the process. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, he had never he never really called plays before other than at UC. Yeah. And by the way, that offense was terrible. Yeah, it was. Terrible. Yeah. I mean, it, it just – it's a joke. It's a joke. And you know what? I'm so sick and tired of – I also didn't say anything about Jerry Jones. And at least the Cowboys, like, stay relevant because of their, of their brand. Mm-hmm. But you need to hire a football person and let the football people make the football decisions. Katie Blackburn and 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 Mike Brown, they have no business, none, making any football decisions. There is no reason in hell that a coach should come and have to come in on Monday morning and sit and watch film with Katie Black Blackburn and say, Hey, this is what we're doing wrong, man. This is, if we do this, we fix this. No. No way in hell. Yeah. You know what you do? You get on the phone, you call Lewis Riddick. You say, hey, we're looking at someone to take over a football operations. Are you interested in interviewing? Okay. No? Awesome. You go and look for the next. Take great football minds and put them in to make great football decisions. Yeah. For you and your state. You, you know who the best presidents have been in the United States? The best those who have The best presidents in the United States history have been those uh-huh. who have put the smartest and best people in their cabinet around them. Mm-hmm. Be a great president. Be a great president of your football operations, of your football organization. Put the best football minds in charge of your organization. Make them people who are consistent, who are driven, and who make great decisions. Yeah. Consistent, driven, great decisions. Consistent, uh, driven, great decisions. I think I think that Zach Taylor is very driven. I think he was very hungry. He's not consistent. I'm sure as hell isn't consistent. And it's obvious that he makes poor decisions, i.e. benching your team, the only team leader out there who hasn't fumbled in four years, benching him after one fumble, benching Carlos Dunlap, who is probably your most talented player on defense, Yeah. and then trading him for a used condom. Well, well, to be fair, I don't think he's the most talented, but or at least not this season. Um, but, no, I, I get your point. And, uh, you know, if – it's it's hard. It's hard to it's hard to be a Bengals fan right now. Like, I I think I I don't I don't think Mike Brown cares. Like people, you know, people talk shit about him all of the time. They talk shit about him more than probably anybody in football, and he doesn't care. He doesn't respond. Like, there's no there's no indication that he cares at all. Like. It's but just, uh, it's exhausting. I um, I tell you what, I, I I am a true fan through and through. I would never say, you know, I'm no longer a fan. Blah blah blah. I think I've been through as much as you can go through as a as a Bengals fan. Maybe not because I didn't live through the entire '90s. But <laughs> but I have never been closer to that than watching Joe Burrow get hurt behind an offensive line that's been shit since 2016. Yeah. Absolute shit since 2016. Mm-hmm. That was the most angry I've ever been as a Bengals fan in my entire life. I mean, more angry, like... more angry than in 2015 when we lost to the Steelers and and, and, and an epic and an epic meltdown. I mean, more it's angry just than like that. it's like it was like watching it happen in slow motion the whole season. We all knew it was happening. We all knew it was going to happen. Yeah. And, and you know, I granted there's not much you can do for the O-line midseason, but you have to, you have to say, Hey, we're, we're drafting. Four seasons. They've been terrible. No, I get it. No, I, that's what I was just about to say is I'm like, I'm like, you even like going into this season, like you know, you know that you're gonna draft your franchise. You know that, you know that, and you did nothing to address it. Oh wait, no, you did. No, you did. You signed Bobby Hart to a three-year deal. You know, it's like, 
It's so stupid. It's well, hey, Jim Turner says if you watch the film, it's it's obvious that Bobby We're Hart's watching, not the problem. Jim. We're watching Jim. I just watched <laughs> Joe Burrow get his knee put into a ninety degree angle. He's and Bobby Hart a, fucking sitting there rubbing his nipples like an idiot. Yeah, he's such a jackass. Jim Turner's such a jackass. It's like that whole that whole coaching staff. I, I think I don't know. It's just I think at the very least he's got to go find new position coaches like. Like I thought it was yeah, so stupid. That guy's gotta go. He's lost the locker room. He's absolutely lost that that locker room. There's no order. It's complete chaos in there. And that's not all his fault. It's not. It's not. Zach Taylor shouldn't. It's not that he should never have a job again. It's not that he should never be given a chance to call plays in the NFL. But he is. He is not ready. He's not fit to handle this organization. The person that is is a person who has fortitude, has experience, and has a vision. Where do you go? And Zach Taylor, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I watch I watch closely what happens with Zimmer in Minnesota. Yeah. I watch that very closely. Um, I give calls to um, – and this is going to sound crazy – but I give calls to people like Mike Shanahan, even if it's not as a coach, as as a as as a front office member. I give calls to Lewis Riddick as a front office member. Um, I I I even look at programs at the college ranks and or coaches there who have had success at multiple programs. People that know how to build a locker room. Um. I, I, you know, to be honest with you, my um, my confidence in picking coaches has waned a little bit because um, I was really high on Mike McCarthy prior to watching him in Dallas. I was really high on Bruce Arians prior to him being in Tampa Bay. Um, and I still think, I think, I think, oh, I, I would be like Bruce Arians. I think is a really good coach. I think that him and Tom, Bur I think Bruce Arians needs to have a, a quarterback that isn't the goat is what happens. He needs, needs to happen. a quarterback but, that can sling the ball too. Cause he throws the ball so much. Yeah. And he runs complete spread. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's where I, that those are the places I look. I, and honestly, um, I don't know that a first-time head coach is going to be the guy that's going to solve your problems. I yeah, just don't. That's really stupid, especially when a team is, like, about to start rebuilding. That's so stupid. You need someone who's been there and done that before. Yeah. You know, honestly, I wouldn't even – I mean, you went from one train wreck to the next, but um... – Oh shit! What's his name? Who's the DC in Tampa Bay right now? He was the head coach at the for the Jets before that, and then he was Bruce Arians DC in Arizona. Um, Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles, I think, could be a great head no. coach. No. Yeah, I think I think he could. I do. Come on. I do. I think the, I think the Bengals are probably the wrong organization for him because again, you need someone that can't that can handle the train wreck that is the Bengals organization. And he didn't handle the Jets well at all. I disagree. They were they were at least winning six to eight games every year. And look at them the year he left. Is that your They're goal? Terrible. Six to eight games every year? That's your goal? He had Ryan Fitzpatrick as his quarterback. Okay. And no talent. Name me one receiver on that entire team, on any of those teams. Yeah, he's also in the AFC. Name East. me one offensive lineman that played for him. Mangold left before he got how, there. Go ahead. How am I, how am I going to name a Jet from early 2000s? Three years ago? Is it three years ago? Yeah, Gase has only been there for two okay, seasons. How how am I supposed how am I supposed to name a, a Jets? I, like I don't follow. Name a receiver. Name a receiver. I don't know. You play fantasy football. You can't I'm not drafted Jets that players. <laughs> That's my point, though. You can't. But the defense won them some games. Is my point. And I, and, and to be honest with you, I think I, I think that uh, you need someone who has a coaching tree. You know, what I mean, you need someone who's got a great, a great coaching tree that can bring. You know, you know who, you know who I give a call to. 
in all sincerity. And he would never take the job, but you know, give a call to Herm Edwards. Yeah, he's no. It gives me chills thinking about it. I give a call to Herm Edwards. Think about the guys he's been able to bring to Arizona. He'd for bring sake. Marvin back. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Marvin, Marvin as a, strictly as a defensive coordinator, not in desperation mode where he's dropping Geno Atkins back he in the coverage every he play. Doesn't, he doesn't want to be a DC. Here's my thing. He's a DC right now. He's co DC yeah, for he's Arizona. Coming, he, he's doing that as a stopgap. Well, he's actually not a he's actually not a DC. I think he's a special advisor to Herm Edwards. He was. No, it was his first season there. Now he's Cody Ben's coordinator with Antonio Pierce. I'm a, I'm a big Arizona State football fan. Really? Why? Because I like Herm Edwards a lot, man. Uh, I really like Herm Edwards. But anyways, um, I, I I can tell that we're we're rambling on about this now because we're, we're going into pretty deep into the uh, the depths of, of the coaching tree here. Do you have a suggestion for coaches before we uh, – and then we can kind of close things up? My my thing is I do, I don't think we get to be picky here because it's not a very desirable job. Um, realistically, the only leverage we have is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, yep. I, I mean that's that's it. Um, I think we have to go a young coach, which I I don't know if it's the greatest thing on planet Earth, but you know there's got to be there's got to be one out there, you know that can. You the enemy. I don't. Here's what bothers me about him is I don't know how involved he is in the play calling. You know, I don't think you hire him as the play caller. Though. That's that's the biggest mistake we made was hiring a first time head coach to also be the play he's caller. He's gonna want to call plays. He's gonna be. He's gonna try and be. He's gonna try and be Andy Reid. Like it's 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 what it's gonna be. It's that's how it works. You know. And I actually outside if you're not Sean Payton. I'm trying to think of if really if you're not Sean Payton, I hate that. I hate, you hate I Andy hate Reid calling his own place. I think that it caught up with him in, in Philadelphia. What? He's yes. killing it in Kansas City right now. What are you talking about? He has Patrick Mahomes and the most talented offensive weapons what does I've it ever matter? seen in my life. What does it matter? They they put I, 50 I points call on everybody. No, you can't. Yes, I could. No, you can't. Yes, I could. Watch this. Hey Patrick. We're going three wide, left. Tyreek, run a, run a fade. Make something happen on two. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, well, you know. Spider wide to banana, this. baby. Spider <laughs> wide to banana. Yeah, I, I, I just don't, I just don't think we get to pick. To be honest, out of all the ones you said, I, I think the one that's most likely is Zim coming back if he gets canned. I don't think they're gonna can him. I don't. I wouldn't hate. Him. I think he's a very good coach. I like him a lot. He, I love, I love my He and he's he he really embodies for me what what Cincinnati's about. You know what I mean? That's one of the reasons. That is really my only big complaint about John Brandon is he doesn't he doesn't get Cincinnati. You know, he's not that 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 blue collar. I'm gonna punch you in the fucking mouth kind of guy. You know, what, like. <laughs> Mick Cronin, as 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 short man syndrome as much as he had, like he got it. He just he got it. You know, um, Mike Zimmer gets it. Even even Marvin Lewis to a certain extent got it. Like, say what you want about those teams. Those teams were usually pretty tough, yeah. and at least have one guy on there where you're like, that guy's an asshole. You know what I mean? And uh, and it really, I think that was the biggest complaint about Marvin's teams early on was that they were always getting in trouble. Because they're yeah. they're just some meme motherfuckers, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's where I, I want someone that embodies the the idea of of Cincinnati, someone that can um, actually you know handle a dysfunctional can can win in spite of a dysfunctional organization, and um, someone that just does shit that makes sense, man. You know what I mean? Put players around Joe Burrow, play good complementary football on the defensive side of the football. Um, Run the fucking ball. Run the fucking ball, please. And not because you have to, because Ryan Finley can't throw for five yards. Like, you know, so uh, don't don't bench your 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 number one leader on your team. Mm-hmm. You know, those kinds of things, those are the things I'm looking for in a coach. And I feel like that's very, very achievable. I agree. Uh, now, whether or not that's going to happen uh, is yet to be seen this offseason. It's definitely going to be an exciting one. Um, I think I think that's really a good place to cap it. Don't you agree? 
Yeah, I, uh, I want to shift. I do want to shift um, my gears here a little bit for a second. Um, and we didn't talk about this before, but um, uh, obviously, I, the reason why I do this podcast is because I love sports. Um, I love I love sharing sports with my friends and people that I love. Um, and I just want to give a quick shout out um, on Thanksgiving this year. Um, I lost my grandfather to COVID. Um, and he was one of the people that definitely inspired my love for sports. Um, you know, especially, I mean, like the Reds, it's something that we always got, but the bond ever together. And uh, he was one of the first ever season ticket holders to the Bengals. Um, he's one of the first like 1,000 season ticket holders. Um, you know, we, we sat and we watched Smarty's last game together in person and listened to him call the game. Uh, and uh, so I just want to say that this, for me, this episode is a memory of him. And uh, it's, been, it's been, you know, it's been different to experience sports without him. Um, I got to talk to him uh, one last time before he passed away. And <laughs> the one, the first thing we talked about, or the first thing I said to him was that, God damn it, they, they fucked Joe Burrow, Grandpa. They, they fucked him up. And uh, I know if he could have responded, um, at that point he was ventilated. Um, but I know if you could respond, he'd be like, he would have been like those sons of a bitches. So, anyways, this episode's for my grandpa, um, and uh, Cincinnati lost a really good fan. So, absolutely. Anyways, um, love you, sorry, buddy. I'll send it over to you, Andrew. I love you, buddy. Well, you know, uh, I guess you know I don't really want to, don't really want to, you know. Um, take away from that. So, um, I've been Andrew and this is Logan and we'll catch you around the natty. Shut up and sit down.